Hello and welcome to the East Baltimore Graffiti Church's podcast. We are so excited to have you join us today. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at ebgraffitichurch at gmail.com. Or you can check us out on our website at ebgraffitichurch.org. You turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, as we continue in our series here at East Baltimore Graffiti Church. As a church family, we are talking about church membership, growing in our faith, which is maturity, and about ministry and spiritual leadership, and then mission, my life on mission. This week is week two. We're going to be talking about spiritual maturity, as I prefer to say spiritual growth. But being Baptist, we're going to stick to our four M's here, right? You would see those on the slide today, but um, yes, we're having technical difficulties due to the pastor's inefficiency technologically. There. Okay, so, and remember last week, we heard from Matthew chapter 4 that Jesus invites us to come and follow him. Jesus invited the disciples to come and see. We heard the gospel last week that Jesus offers us love and acceptance for God so loved the world that he sent, he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. We also talked about the fact that fully developing followers of Jesus Christ have a right relationship with God. We said fully developing followers of Jesus Christ have a right relationship with the church. And that's what we're talking about now. What does it mean? Why church? When the Bible says that Jesus Christ gave himself up for her, what is he talking about? Why is the church so important? Why? And your role and my role in the church so important. Why is it important to be a member of a local church? What are my roles and responsibilities? What are the privileges? What are the, 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 uh, the spiritual, the, the depth of, of fellowship and worshiping with a group of believers? Why is this so important? And why is it so important that we grow together uh, in spiritual maturity as a church family? And I also think it's very important for us to express what we believe, uh, our doctrine uh, directly coming from the Word of God, amen, um, about who we are as followers of Jesus and why we do what we do. So here we are today. I'm going to talk about three important facts um, about spiritual maturity, and then we're going to talk about some spiritual habits. First, Anthony, thank you for reading our scriptures this morning. Paul, in this section on spiritual gifts in Ephesians chapter 4, gives this challenge in verses 12 through 16. And yes, we jumped in in the middle of a section of scripture there, uh, and it is always challenging to do that, but we did it anyway. Uh, and he says, that God gives us all spiritual gifts, followers of Jesus. Every follower of Jesus has one spiritual gift, and no follower of Jesus has all the spiritual gifts, okay? There's some, I've met people who think they have all the spiritual gifts. Yeah, yeah, they don't. Okay, but, and so, so we have these spiritual gifts that God gives us, and, it's, and we're gonna talk, and I, Anthony's preaching next week, and I'm very excited about that, because he's gonna talk more about that next week when he talks about spiritual leadership and ministry. But here, the scripture says, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. 
So what does it mean to build up the body of Christ till we all reach this unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, we become mature. We grow up. Um, the version that Anthony read, I like that better. We grow up, we mature in our faith, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The Bible says here, he says, then we'll no longer be infants tossed about by waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching. This, is, this passage of scripture says we're growing up in our faith in Christ so that when false teaching comes, when difficult topics come up, when the culture throws things at us and we, we're not certain how to respond, well, you will be because you will know what the word of God says. So we grow up together in our faith in the church. We're going to talk about what that looks like very practically this morning. But this passage of scripture, uh, I love the, Ephesians chapter 4, and this challenge from Paul for us to grow up together in unity. So that's one of our goals. That's, our, that's one of our main goals as a church family is growing up in our faith. Knowing and understanding what the Word of God says, growing up, he talks about in the knowledge of the Son of God. <laughs> we need to learn everything we can learn about Jesus, who is our Savior. We need to grow up. I need to respond in a mature manner to the circumstances that occur in my life. Yes, me, using the word mature. Okay, <laughs> write that down somewhat. But truthfully, growing up, and I've been thinking about this, I have had, you may not have seen them, some of you have been around me long enough, you have seen it. My, but I respond sometimes in an immature manner when I run off of my emotions instead of the truth of the Word of God. Growing up in the knowledge of the Son of God. Growing up knowing what the Word of God says and then putting it into practice. So, so um, three important facts about spiritual maturity that I love and believe. Number one, it's not automatic. Spiritual maturity is not automatic. You don't just get this by osmosis. You don't hang around church and just grow and become spiritually mature. You can't give, a, you can't give someone a hug and have it rub off on you. you, know, you go find your mature, spiritually mature friends and hug them. It doesn't rub off, okay? They might not want to be hugged anyway. I don't know. But, so, but in Hebrews, Hebrews 5, 12 and 13, Oh my gosh, I love this. I'm going to be careful to hone my discourse today. But if he, uh, Hebrews 5, 12 and 13 says this. You have been Christians for a long time now. And you ought to be teaching others. But instead, you need someone to teach you. When a person is still living on milk, it shows he's not very far along in the Christian life. He's still a baby Christian. I don't like, never mind. So in this version here, in this version of the Bible that I just read to you, uh, you know, when a baby is born, when your children, when my children were born, I didn't go out to the grill and throw a T-bone on the grill for them. They had to have this milk. They had to have this very special milk. And but why? Because they were babies. They were new to this life and new to this world. What is the writer of Hebrews saying to these followers of Jesus? He's saying, listen, y'all been getting this milk for a long time. You can cut your teeth, start it walking, you're growing up, and I still have to feed you this milk because 
because you just don't act right. He said, you're spiritually immature. You look like an adult, but you act as a Christian baby. He's saying that to them. He's not saying that to us. He's saying that to these, these, uh, these Hebrews, right? So the writer is saying here. But he's saying, you've been Christians for a long time now. What's going on? You haven't grown up. You still need someone to teach you. There are things that you should have already learned, he says to these folks. Or you heard them and you weren't paying attention. Or for some reason, you forgot them. I'm no longer 25 years old. You tell me something and it's important to you. You need to, hey, Pastor Charlie, remember you said you were going to write that down, right? Yes. You interacted with me. You experienced that. So, so it's not automatic. It doesn't just happen because I got saved. Spiritual maturity is not automatic. Number two, it's a process. All you process people, you love that word, don't you? You do. You do. But it is a process. As a matter of fact, in Proverbs 8.5, Proverbs 8.5 says, don't be foolish. He's, I think he uses the word simple. You know, I tell lots of stories about my, my dad used the word simple in talking to me and my brothers often. Um, but I won't go there this morning. It says, don't be simple. Don't be foolish. Oh, well, don't be foolish. Be wise. And what he was talking about in the book of Proverbs is growing up, being mature, making wise decisions, not being impetuous. Don't be foolish or the word simple. The word simple is used a lot in Proverbs and for a reason, all humor aside. It's a process. It takes time to go from simple or a baby Christian or young to growing up in your faith. It's not automatic. It's a process. Uh, 2 Peter 3.18, he says, Continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Continue to grow. You become a follower of Jesus. <laughs> you get baptized. You join the church. You're all excited about your faith. You're telling your family, your friends, right? And then, and then some, some Christian people just ruin it for you. You know, you just kind of, now you're in the crowd, you're in the church. Don't grow weary. Don't grow complacent. Don't allow others to discourage you. 2 Peter 3.18 says, continue to grow. Continue to grow. And we're going to talk about... Um, we're going to go into some more detail in just a moment. Number three. So one, it's not automatic. Two, it's a process. Three, it takes discipline. It takes discipline. First uh, Timothy 4, 7 says, uh, the second half of the verse says this. Take the time and the trouble to keep yourself spiritually fit. So, so many of you, uh, you may like take good care of your body. You lift weights. You work out. You understand the physiology, the biology. You understand the science behind it. Uh, you treat your body like a good machine. You put good food in it. You work out, and that's your thing. You're physically fit. I was more physically fit at the age of 48 than I was at 20. I started running just to lose a little weight and it became a thing. And um, I don't know, maybe I got addicted to it. I love to run. So I kept running and I ran some more. And I woke up one day and I said, wow, I'm fairly physically fit here, man. You know, it was pretty exciting, you know, for me. I, well, I enjoyed it, I did. 
But you know what I did? At the height of my running, and, and I'm not bragging, I'm just saying it was a long process. I ran for like six or seven years. At the end, I was, when I was training, I was running 30 and 36 miles a week. So, so that was like five and six days a week. And I was just doing it because I loved it, but I ended up, so, so, and the height of it was really fun for me. I, I ran a marathon, like a real one, like with thousands of other people around, and I was nervous, and I'd never done that before, and I was like, saw these young people around me, and then I saw some people way older than me, and I was like, yay. Uh, I, but I ran this marathon, and it was, it was just to finish the race. I just wanted to finish the race, right? I, I just wanted to not pass out and fall on the ground somewhere. But I did. Why? Because uh, somewhere between six and seven years there, I started out um, running a mile down the street and I had to stop because my, my feet hurt and I thought I was going to pass out and I got dizzy to running a marathon six or seven years later. Why? Because I was physically fit. I was, I was exercising my body five and six days a week. I was more careful about what I ate and I read articles to learn about running. And so why to tell you all of that? Because it's a discipline. Look, I will tell you, I, I could also be very sloppy in my spiritual discipline. I'm a pastor. I study the Word of God. But if I'm not having my devotions or if I'm not having personal Bible study by myself or with my wife, um, and I'm just studying to preach to you on Sunday morning, I feel like a hypocrite. I can become lazy. Just like when I eat ice cream four or five days a week instead of getting off the couch and getting some exercise. It's discipline. It takes discipline to do one thing and not the other. God doesn't leave us on our own to do it. If you know Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit inside you and the Holy Spirit gives us what we need to do, but it's discipline. It takes effort. I have to sit at the table in my chair with my Bible in the morning and not turn the news on the TV, which can be depressing. And for me, that's a discipline. I started a bad habit of coming back in the morning after exercising or walking the dogs and turning on that bad news instead of sitting down with my Bible first. And I don't care whether you read your Bible first, or beginning of your day, end of your day. I should be doing it both because I need it that much. But it's a discipline. And so we have to, we do participate. Oh, Jesus, give me the No, no. He says, you be disciplined, Charlie. You sit down and read your word of God when you start your day so you don't go out and act a fool. That's what I need to do. So it takes discipline. But now there are these things called spiritual habits. And here's where the rubber meets the road. Here are some things you and I can do. One, and, and when we have our membership classes in the next couple of months, we're going to go into a lot more detail. And you might have some pra a prayer journal page on your seat there, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about that. Um, but number one is God's word, number one. So, so we have three spiritual facts about, um, three important facts about spiritual maturity. But now here, we're going to talk about four habits. I used to teach this with students, and it was a lot of fun because we had an acronym for habits. Hang time with God, accountability, Bible memory, involvement in church, tithing and giving. And oh my gosh. Um, um, yeah. So... Uh, Habit singular. Okay. But we talked about spiritual habits. So I love that acronym. But here we're only going to talk about four today. Number one is God's word. The whole Bible, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, was given to us by inspiration from God and is useful to teach us what is true 
and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It straightens us out and helps us to do what is right. It is God's way of making us well prepared at every point, fully equipped to do good to everyone. That is the Living Bible version of those verses, but I really like, um, I really like uh, how he shares that. So, the Word of God, one. Listen, he talks about <laughs> hearing the Word of God, <laughs> how I can be a better listener and hearer of the Word of God. In our membership class, we're going to go into a lot more detail, but I said if I could pick out one thing, if I could pick out uh, one thing to talk about regarding the Word of God, it would be this. Deal with attitudes that prevent you from hearing God. So number two, um, we'll never ignore the number there. So we're talking about the Word of God and deal with, and what are the attitudes? Oh, by the way, if reading is challenging for you, for whatever reason, uh, you need new glasses, um, you doze off when you open a book and sit still for five minutes, uh, whatever the case may be, or honestly and with much compassion um, and, and, and thoughtfulness, I do know folks who it's a struggle to read. They were never taught properly how to read. So I would say if you could download a version of the U version on your Bible and you click that little arrow, your Bible will read to you and you can hear God's word. So for me, I sit with the word of God open, I'm reading the Bible have the Bible in front of me. But for you, maybe you're in the car, maybe you have the Bible on CD, uh, pop it in the car, maybe you have the app on your phone, and you can let your Bible talk to you. There's several different ways you can hear and, and, and get into the Word of God, even if reading is challenging for you. I, I felt like, man, it's just so important, and I want to say it appropriately. Um, but so dealing with attitudes that prevent me from hearing from God, um, Luke 8, 18, consider carefully how you listen. One, a closed mind. Ask myself these questions. Is fear, pride, or bitterness preventing me from hearing God? Wow, that one hit home with me. Is fear, pride, or bitterness preventing me from hearing God? My friend Sean McBride, the preacher, counselor, I love this guy. Sean said uh, to some kids one time when he was preaching, um, he used to come and preach special events uh, for my students because he was just a very, um, just a very lively preacher, very lively guy. Sean said, Charlie, life will either make you, things, your circumstances, things that happen to you in your life will either make you bitter or they will make you better. Will make you bitter or make you better. Are there any attitudes? Do I have a closed mind? Have things happened in my life that have caused me to be bitter and I'm unable to hear from God in a particular area of, might not be the whole word of God, but it might be a particular area of your life, right? A superficial mind, shallow how, anybody see that movie? Um, a superficial mind, am I really serious about wanting to hear God speak? Am I, do I have a superficial attitude do I just come to church and listen to the pastor and then go home and I don't get another dose of the word of God till I come back to church? But I'll learn enough keywords, and when I talk to the church folk, it'll sound good. But I, I do know how to do that, by the way. I can do that. I can do that. Um, I could be superficial. Yep, shallow how. 
a preoccupied mind. Oh, my. An attitude. Am I preoccupied? Am I too busy or concerned with other things to concentrate on what God says? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I'm busy. I got, I got my list. Hey, are you a task-oriented, list-oriented person? Uh, when I do have my list, I have my day book open, and hey, I'm the preacher, so everything I write down is spiritual, right? Yeah, okay. Um, sometimes I will keep myself busy with tasks so that I don't have to sit down and deal with God in an honest manner about something going on in my life. Sit down with the Word of God. Sitting down with the Word of God needs to be my first priority, not my third or fourth one every day. I confess to you, there are days I jump right to my list of tasks. Yeah, I'll catch up. I'll get my Bible open this afternoon. You know, in the days I do that, it's highly unlikely that I will. But I'm the pastor, so I'm doing spiritual things. It's okay. You have different excuses, I'm sure, if, in fact, you do that. I guess you probably don't do that. But do I have a preoccupied mind? Next, so attitudes that could prevent me, and we could continue the list, but we won't, right? Those are just a few that, that spoke to me. There's another thing in dealing with uh, when I read the word of God, I do do this often, confess any sin in my life. Get rid of all moral filth and humbly accept the word, James 1.21. James isn't playing, is he? <laughs> confess your sins. Often, when I sit down to read the Word of God, I say, God, forgive me for my sinfulness and please open up the eyes of my heart. Oh, I'm getting ready to sing a song, y'all. No, you don't want that. But seriously, confess sin in my life. So when I have the Word of God open, that's something I need. Number four, uh, a next one, another one, take notes on what you hear. I'm telling you, when somebody else is preaching and I'm not standing up here, I like to have, and I don't always, sometimes I'm lazy, but have that notebook open. God, hey, look, God's word. If you hear the worst sermon you ever heard in your life, guess what? If he's preaching out of the word of God, you're going to learn something. You can learn something if you choose to. You can learn simply how not to preach. <laughs> but if the Bible is open and the Bible was read that morning, you can learn something. Take notes on what you hear. Hebrews 2.1, we must pay more careful attention to what we've heard so that we do not drift away. Mm, good stuff. And if you're no longer 25 or 30 years old like me, you better be writing it down. Mm. Number five, here we go. Spiritual application. Well, I told you to don't worry about those numbers here. Next one, act on what you hear. Oh, my goodness. Listen, if you're reading the Word of God and something speaks to you enough that you wrote it down, there's probably a good reason the Holy Spirit had you write that down. Don't walk away from it. And, well, I read my Bible. I wrote it down. I prayed. I confessed some sins. Now I'm going to work. I feel good. No, hold on. And the, 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 the class, the membership class we'll do goes into a lot of detail about sitting quietly so that we hear back from God as or after we're reading his word. But I don't want to go into that today for the sake of time, but in our class, we really will. And man, I'm just so passionate about this because it's a hard discipline. Meditating on the word of God is such a hard discipline to sit still. Look, it only takes me about 45 seconds of sitting still trying to focus on, God, I want to hear from you about what I just read. Lord, what are you saying that I can act on in my life? And boom, squirrel, I'm thinking about something else. Or have you ever done that? You, I'm meditating today, and you wake up 12 minutes later drooling on the table or something. 
Yeah, you don't have to admit it, but I, yeah, right. But act on what you hear. Listen, James 1.22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. James 1.25, whoever does not simply listen and then forgets, but puts it into practice, that person will be blessed in what he does. I love James chapter 1. So when you hear the word of God, and you don't forget it, but you put it into, and the best thing to do is to put it into practice right away, right? That person will be blessed in what he does. Why? Because you're changing your behavior. I, I'm changing my behavior, and I'm changing it right away based on what the Word of God says. How much better can it get, follower of Jesus? Okay, so habit one. Habit two, prayer. Base your happiness on your hope in Christ, when trials come, endure them patiently, steadfastly maintain the habit of prayer. Romans 12, 12 is what I just read. So we have the word of God. We need to be in the word of God. And, and talk about being shallow and making excuses. It's so easy to throw up a quick prayer and start your day. This discipline of spending some time quietly praying, praying for others, praying for yourself, Praying for the salvation of someone specific and asking God to give you opportunity. But prayer, habit two is prayer. Matter of fact, you have those journals. Uh, you have a journal page on your chair today, and I will challenge you. Uh, I am going to do it this week. Um, on one side is a, Thanksgiving is a Thanksgiving page. As you are praying, write down things that you are thankful for. Thank God for some things in your prayer life and then write them down. What are you thanking God for this week? Then if you flipped it over, you could write down some personal prayer requests, and there's some columns there. Pray for someone that you want to share the gospel with. And there are several. I don't have one in front of me, but there are, there's some columns there about things that you can pray for. And a challenge this week, and I'm, I'm not going to, for the sake of time, so you can write down the date, the request. You may even... Read in the Word of God a promise regarding that. And God promises to answer your prayer. And then keep it. Keep it. And look for God to answer your prayer. Now you can even write down the answered prayers. There's so many times we have prayed for resources for the building. Or we prayed to pass an, pass an inspection. Or I pray for something, someone, and I find out later that God made a way in their lives. I got to do that Friday. And, and God made a way in someone's family. And I praise God for that. That's answered prayer. So I just think that's just one way that you can jot some things down and have an active, we can have a more active prayer life. Thirdly is stewardship. Listen, we use, I like the words time, talent, and treasure, right? Um, because it's very small print here. 1 Corinthians 16, 2 I have here. It would be up there, but it's not. <coughs> On the first day, of every week we set aside some of what you have earned and give it as an offering the amount depends on how much the lord has helped you earn first corinthians 16 2 so we bring back a portion of what god has blessed us with as part of our worship we bring back tithes and offerings um, you know what god deals some people believe in the Old Testament rule of a tenth and giving 10%. I like to talk about my time, talents, and treasure. I think time in our culture is the most valuable thing we have. I have a job. You go to school. Uh, I have this, this, and this. 
you know, our time? How much time, you know, in God's church am I giving serving the Lord? And now, now I'm talking about um, um, daily I surrender my whole life to the Lord. I get that. But how much of my time, my talents, and my treasures belong to the Lord? It should be all of it if I'm a follower of Jesus, right? Daily surrender my life for God's use. None of us is perfect. I'm not talking about perfection. We're talking about growing up, becoming mature in our faith. Time, talents, and treasure. There are seasons of life. You might be a struggling student. You might not even have a job. You go to school full time. You don't have an income. I don't want you to go home and, and feel guilty or feel cruddy because you don't have a job and you don't tithe regularly. I know one of my friends has a lot of, has a lot of starving medical students in his church. And, and he says, and he says to them, um, you work this out, you work this out in your walk with the Lord, but, but in sharing this with his church, he says to some of his students, he says, you know what, um, maybe you don't start now, you might not be working at all. As medical students, we're going to, you know, followers of Jesus who are given their lives to save lives, and, right? But you may be going to school and you may not have a job, and you, I don't want you to go home and feel guilty. But you can certainly share um, <coughs> your time and your talents as a way of giving and serving the Lord. It's not all about the money. Um, I know in our culture, you know, in our culture, it is all about the money. Um, in God's kingdom, it's not. Nonetheless, time, talents, and treasure. Lastly, habit four that he shares here and that I appreciate is the habit of fellowship. He says, let us not give up the habit of meeting together as some are doing. Instead, let us encourage each other in Hebrews 10.25, fellowship. This is koinonia fellowship. This is followers of Jesus Christ meeting together regularly. Remember Acts chapter 2 last week? They had meals together. They worshiped together. They studied the word of God together. They even gave out of their own personal possessions to help each other out as someone had needs. They were doing life together. Week four, we're going to talk about living life on mission. But this idea of fellowship, having fellowship with Christian brothers and sisters, particularly in the church, in worship, encouraging one another, loving one another, having Bible study together, this idea of fellowship. All these, this is how we're going to grow up in our faith. We're going to grow up in our faith through our active Bible study, hearing the Word of God, studying the Word of God, having an active prayer life, taking that time, right? Uh, we're going to develop habits of good stewardship of our time, talents, and treasures, right? It all belongs to God. He has blessed us. When Diane and I pray at meals, we do. We say, God, you have given us everything that we have. It all comes from you, God. We praise you. We thank you for that as we have this food. Not that easy for some folks. And then habit four, fellowship. Meeting regularly, having Bible study, having Christian friendships. This koinonia fellowship, it, our relationships all revolve. This is something we all share in common. And this is a beautiful thing about unity in the church. Regardless of who you are and where you come from, we come from different places. We don't all look the same. I love that about our church. And yet we all have this in common. We each one or many, most of you, have shared with me you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Our relationships revolve around our relationship with Jesus Christ. Oh, my. 
I better be treating you the way Jesus treats me. Amen? But this, so this idea of fellowship, we have koinonia fellowship. So growing up in our faith, we're going to do this together. Some of you, many of you, you're, you're mature followers of Jesus. Well, you set the example for the rest of us. And, and you say, praise the Lord. You say, amen. And you encourage someone else to grow up in their faith. But one of the things that we will do as followers of Jesus here at Graffiti <laughs> is provide opportunities for everyone to grow in their faith. There'll be children here again soon. Um, we have teenagers and young adults in our church. We need to provide, we as a church family, providing opportunities for fellowship, for the word of God, for folks, whether young or not so young, to grow in their faith. So as we close today, that challenge is, number one, if you did not fill out a card last week, you did not fill out a card last week, we're taking those seriously. If, if you have a desire to be a member of Graffiti Church, fill that card out and write member at the bottom. Because we'll talk about it. Say, hey, are you a follower of Jesus? Yep, pastor, I love Jesus. And we'll talk about that. Say, hey, have you been baptized? Um, and some you've even shared with, I was baptized when I was a baby. What does that mean? Um, how, what's God going to lead? You know, so we'll talk about what the word of God says about baptism. And then we're talking now each week. We're in week two. What does it mean to be a part of, of, of God's living organism called the church? Amen. So fill that out. Write member on the bottom. If you don't go on the website and fill out your prayer request, you could also put a prayer request on that card, and I will see it, and I will pray for you. And if we don't have contact information for you, please fill that card out. And say, Pastor, your church stinks. I don't want, even want to be a member. <laughs> but here's my email anyway. No, seriously. So fill that out, um, and please, um, you can put it in the offering box or give it to Miss Melissa after the service. Um, and I will have those uh, and I will be excited folks this is an exciting time lots going on in our church but the most important thing that will go on in our church is our spiritual growth together as a church family amen so pray how you will take action on what you what God impressed upon your heart from the word of God this morning amen